0: This is Hard Parking, brought to you by a right Honda and right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Jay Finning. So what happened to the infinity on the last episode? Well, first off, if you haven't listened to the most recent episode, I urge you to listen to it because it was our third student loan forgiveness topic over the last 24 months. Brian Kalma rejoined the show and, of course, good friend of the show, West Tangersley, and just good friend in general, and we kind of talked about it. You know, Brian has paid all of his stuff off years ago. Myself and Wes owe a lot of money. So you want to go back and listen to that. It's a solid, heady conversation. No debating, no arguing, just a bunch of really well-thought-out opinions. And what does this total $10,000 really mean? Like, does it, Is it a lot? Does it help people? Does it not help people? Are people getting checks? No, they're not actually going to get checks. But I encourage you to go back and check it out. Also, I had mentioned that my infinity died. I had a hell of a weekend. Uh, My hip no longer hurts from, you know, me falling into my own swimming pool. I wish I had that on video. Said that last time I don't would be nice. So I took the car to the dealership. I'm glad I took it to the dealership because, you know, my son was kind of like, I have a mechanic, a mobile mechanic that can look at your car. You could save a lot of money by taking it to the dealership. Well, I have towing. It's covered by my insurance. But, you know, I had to make the decision. Am I going to take it home? And try to figure it out myself or, you know, through my son's uh, mechanic contact. Or do I just want to take it to the dealership? It's hot. I don't want to screw with it. So it's set at the dealership for a couple of days. My service manager called me back and said, hey, man, we're going to need this for a little bit longer. We're not quite sure what's going on with it. Your diagnostic fee is going to be a little bit more because it is a little complicated. Ended up being a a starter relay. But there's one that's right on the battery cable wasn't that one. It was some, some like underside one that you really couldn't see. I wouldn't have ever figured out. And I doubt that, you know, my son's miscellaneous mechanic would have probably figured it out, especially if the dealership that specializes in those vehicles took like a day, but I did get the cost and it was a little expensive. And I said, I mean, shouldn't you guys have checked that? Like one of the first things, he go, yeah, typically, and we did check the one on top, which is the same one I checked, but it took a little extra effort, which is fine. So I'm back at home. I have my daily driver back. Didn't want to have to take the NSX everywhere with me. Thank you for all your concern, those of you who DM'd me on social media to try to, uh, you know, throw some guesses at it. Thank God it wasn't the key fob. That would have been embarrassing. But again, I didn't pay anything. It's just, it's just taking the time to go get it. Which would have kind of sucked. After this word from Four Wheel Online, we're going to be joined by comedian and fellow car guy David Hahn. Been following him for a while, follows me for a while, and he wanted to come on, and I think it's a good idea. So coming up, David Hahn, Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Your truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get there today. So visit them online at 4 wheel Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again that's 4 wheel Online, the number 4 wheel online. Joined by comedian David Hahn, and we're gonna bullshit about some cars and teach people who you are and what you do, because I'm interested as well.
1: Yeah, so I uh, had a job this morning. Um, by day I am a home inspector, and that's that's how I paid the bills. It's a good job. It allows me to work part-time and make more money than my wife. And a boy. So <laughs> breadwinner. <laughs> that that upsets that upsets her. Um because she, she tells me that I always find a way to make the most amount of money for the least amount of effort. And then my response is, well, I'm lazy, not stupid.
0: Right. You will work, work smarter, not harder,
1: right? Exactly. So that allows me to do stand-up at night. I drive into L.A. I live out in Redondo Beach. So we're talking anywhere between a 30- and 45-minute commute, depending on where it's located, what time of day that I have to drive out. I've been doing stand up really for about going on 4 years. I started out in LA, which is I guess it's from what I understand it's it's the harder thing to do. So generally comedians as they start out, they will start out wherever they are, wherever they live, um, you know, Boston or Kansas City or Miami or wherever. They get a few years under their belt and then they make the jump to Los Angeles where their dreams can die a slow, painful death. Right. So I decided, I decided that, uh, I wanted to make it even more difficult to stay. I'll just start it out here, which it, it does have, I think it has its, it has its advantages in, to some degree, but, uh, I, I can see why people would think that it's more difficult to start out here.
0: Did you, uh, so isn't, uh, I want to say, is it the laugh factory? Is like the super famous one. There's one super famous one out there that pretty much anyone who's anyone is either worked there or done comedy there. I want to say is Polly Shore's family. You're, you're, so
1: that's the that's the comedy store.
0: Oh, it's Laugh Factory comedy. Maybe the laugh. Maybe the comedy store gets their supplies from the Laugh Factory.
1: Well, so yeah, Mitzi Shore. So Polly Shore's mom, Mitzi Shore, uh, opened the comedy store a few decades ago, and so that's the world famous one.
0: I just That's made a supply chain goes. joke, and it probably felt pretty flat.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't get it, so <laughs> I. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the other one's left. The Laugh Factory, also well known. Uh, oh, so it Hollywood, is a place. Yeah, the Laugh Factory is a place. They they have they have uh, several locations, like every comedy club, I Okay. Think. Right. Um. So there's there's the Laugh Factory. And then there's the Hollywood improv on Melrose. So I did I did my first set at the Hollywood Improv last week, I believe it was Wednesday. It was really an open mic. And so how that works is at six o'clock every day, I believe, or maybe it's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they have an open mic and it's 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 called a bucket mic. So you write your name on a piece of paper and they throw in a bucket. And they randomly draw names out of the bucket. Now, open mics generally, yeah, open mics generally are really difficult, um, but they're necessary. And so they're necessary because if you're starting out, you need a place to practice your material. Uh, Now, they're difficult because you're in a room full of comedians who have no interest in listening to what you have to say. So they're probably on their phones. They're sure. courteous enough. To, the, the, the the comics in L.A. are courteous enough to not chatter during your your set. If you do, then the comic will call you out on stage. So, yeah, it, you know, and so this room was packed. I want to say there's probably I mean, 30 or 40 comics in there just oh, wow. hanging out, all waiting to go up. And, you know, the, the mic only lasts two hours. So you can be there 2 hours and not go up. And so people that'll happen to people for weeks on end. I know the guy who hosts it and he tries to you know if he sees people show up week after week, he'll try to get them up at some point. He'll he'll make that exception, he'll just call them up because he sees them there. But I was fortunate enough to get called up. And so I did my three-minute set, and the woman who books the talent there, I believe, I don't even know her name, she sits in the back, and she just watches your set. And from what I understand, comics have to show up every week, have to be show their faces, have to be consistently funny. And then she might, she might call on you to do things like host a show or do a cold open or something along those lines um so yeah that's how it is at her I, the comedy store has its has its own mic i think uh i think it's called potluck where you email you, you send an email uh to the comedy store and they, they just pick you randomly and you're on a list now to do the open mic at the comedy store i don't know how the laugh i think the laugh factory also has a mic but i don't i don't really know how that works but yeah, I mean, other than that, man, it's it's just going to dive bars or holes in the wall. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is uh, comedians will open up their own little like comedy club, so they'll run their own open mic. Hmm. So, yeah, and, and now what's happening is you're starting to see comedians start to create their own spaces so they can do their work. That's what a buddy of mine did, uh, me and Buddy did. We started producing a a comedy show and you know we're like okay well we don't want to wait around for people to book us on their shows we're going to make our own show and so we put ourselves our own show and that's generally how it goes we do 10 to 12 minutes our own shows we'll book three or four comics to do 10 to 12 minutes and then we'll book a headliner to do 25 and we just had our first show on i want to say it was uh, August twentieth, and it was great. We sold out, and uh, no, that was a you know, that was a good start to something that we hope will be a long running thing. And we're doing it once a month now. We're hoping to do it every two weeks, but you know we'll see how we'll see how that goes.
0: You ever froze up on the mic? You had to have at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes I still do because I'm I'm almost forty four. And my brain doesn't work as well as it did when I was 24. That's just how it is. Right. (laughs) You know, I've just accumulated so much crap in my brain that trying to remember something new is, it is, it's tangibly more difficult. Like, I remember shit that I was taught in eighth grade, but I can't remember the new joke I wrote two days ago sometimes. And so... (laughs) You know, a lot of times I'll go up there and I'll deliver my, especially if I'm working new material, if it's, if it's material I've already worked on, it's not really that much of a problem. I might miss part of the joke here and there if I haven't practiced enough, but if it's new material, uh, I have my notes up there. Sometimes you have comics just reading straight from their notepad Hmm. at an open mic. Yeah. This is something that people, people don't, don't know about comedians and comedy is that the process is you know you're doing small so if if you're a a touring comedian the process is you do a lot of smaller shows to work out your material a lot of times it's rough that's why they don't want you to record yeah so they don't want you to record stuff i mean there's stories of chris rock or dave chappelle they're doing like an hour and 45 at some club and there's a lot of dead air they're just rambling none of it makes sense and what's happening is We're just saying things out loud, and that's part of the the art, and and it it moves forward the thought process. So there were times where I would deliver a joke, and I just can't remember for the life of me what I'm supposed to say next or what I'm moving on to, and so I just look over to my phone and say, oh, okay, all right, so here we go, and then I move on to the next joke.
0: So I think like you're one of the first people and I've, okay. So I've been on Twitter a long time an embarrassingly long time to have like no followers.
1: <laughs> Might be a good thing.
0: Yeah. But you're, you're one of the first people that I've noticed, like anytime you'll comment on something and if someone comments on something, you'll comment back and, and it's, so you can kind of carry like a mini joke conversation with somebody on Twitter and typically Twitter, you have to either be. Blue check mark verified, or you have to be a complete troll. Like just a bad troll to get any kind of attention. So it's one of the things I'm like, oh, okay, this guy. And then I connected the dots to Instagram one day I go, Oh, same guy.
1: Same guy. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not verified. Uh I it's not something that I ever think will happen. So I like to troll Twitter, mostly because it's the dumbest place on earth. I fucking hate Twitter. It I hate it. And I only I only look at it maybe Every, I don't know, three or four days, My, a buddy of mine will, he'll, he'll direct message me uh, some tweets here and there just to look at some, something absurd. But I hardly engage. Um, and when I do, it's just a troll. I know I'm one of those guys, but um, I also, I also like to tweet jokes onto Twitter, mo- mostly as sort of a notepad.
0: Yeah, but you're uh, not, you're not a, a mysterious egg on Twitter. You're a person.
1: I, I, so, I so that's allegedly like a am a troll. Person.
0: It's a troll with a face. Yeah.
1: Well, I've, been call, I've been called a, I've been called a Russian bot. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's there's that. Um, so that's the fallback now. If if you say something that that a person doesn't agree with, then uh, you're a Russian bot. Which, all right, whatever. I don't. It to me, it's it's like I said, it's all fun. I don't take any of it seriously. Um. But, you know, it's
0: so you're taking this call from your Ridgeline. I am. House was a little reverby. Um, Yeah. So cars, man. What do you got? What do you want?
1: So I know you from the NSX forums and the owners group. Uh, I want to say I I think I know you from the the OG NSX Prime website.
0: Yeah, I'm T on there.
1: Yes, yeah. So you had a 97, correct? Correct. Yeah, and what what year did you buy that? Twelve. 2012. Okay, so then we bought our cars at this around the same time. So I bought mine in April of 2012.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And so I think you, I, I think I remember you coming around about then. And your car was very distinct um, because of the wrap that you had on it.
0: Which which is more recent. Definitely. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I remember you. I've known about you for quite some time, at least for most of my my NSX ownership. So I do have a 2002 Acura NSX. I bought it in Tampa, Florida. And it is a rebuilt car. Um, And so I bought it from... uh, if there's any NSX people who are listening to this, they're going to get a kick out of this. So um, I bought it from uh, a guy named Sean Geary. I don't know if you're Sean. familiar with him.
0: So he was really popular for a he while. Was. I don't know what happened to him. He was like fixing everybody's cars and parts and doing shit like that, right? A guy named Sean. I remember that.
1: Yes. Yeah. So he was in Tampa. I bought it from him. So the story goes, there is a guy, but he, he lives in he lived in Chino Hills. And so one day he was, he was on the highway and I I guess he hit a a patch of water on the highway and no, his name is Jason Novak.
0: That name sounds familiar too.
1: Jason Novak was the previous owner of my car. So he hit a patch of water on the highway down in like Orange County somewhere and he spun and the rear of the car hit the median, hit the concrete barrier. Mm -hmm. And the car got totaled out. So Sean, at the time, was just he just had he had multiple NSXs in his in his driveway. So at the time, he bought a 2004 silver from Sacramento that had an engine fire. So he got that. He bought Jason Novak's old car. He flew out to Chino Hills, and he drove it back. To Tampa from Southern California. And I remember this distinctly because he brought an extra set of taillights to like secure to the back of the car because the, the back so of fucked. the car was it was it was it was it was pretty badly damaged. And so he wanted an extra set of taillights to secure to the back of the car and wire it up so we'd have some you know, have some brake lights. He drove it all the way back and he was gonna part it out. And he ended up parting out part of that car. And there's a few people who know this story. So the front end of my car, of its original VIN, went to Regan U.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So his conversion is from my car. And so I I just messaged him one day. I was like, dude, so I'm looking to get one of these. Uh, I'm looking at the damage. It doesn't look like it's terrible. Would you be able to rebuild that for me? And I'll just buy it from you. And so I commissioned him to just rebuild that and he replaced the the trunk basically um he cut the trunk he had the trunk cut off had a a trunk from uh like an 03 welded on and just put the panels back on and uh the (laughs) so yeah that's that's how I got that so I bought it I drove it back to Sacramento I was living in Sacramento at the time I've had this car for about 10 years and I want to say about 50, 54,000 miles.
0: That's not bad. Whatever happened to Sean?
1: So, Sean. He kind of disappeared and was,
0: just became like, remember that guy, Tomaski, which he was so known? yes. Yeah. So I actually yes. bought parts from him underneath his other name. And then when I said, hey, were not you Tomaski? He goes, yes. And then he just disappeared. But I, I got. What I wanted, I didn't realize how much of a dice roll it was at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Sean, I actually still, I still talk to him on occasion. Um, oh. I, yeah, yeah. So, what happened to Sean was he got divorced, and I don't uh, want to put his business. I don't want to put his business out there. That makes man. a lot of sense. He he got divorced, and so that's what happened to Sean. And he's you know he's doing his thing now. He's got he still works on on people's cars. He still works on on a few NSXs. Yeah, I mean, occasionally I, you know, I'll text him, see how he's doing. That's good know. because,
0: you know, that's back before. I mean, it's it's funny to say, but even, you know, seven years ago, social media it was nothing like it is now. And, and no, so it's like, even. hey, what happened to Sean? And I'm reading all this stuff. I'm like, this guy used to be like everybody talked to him, talked about him, and he was everywhere. And all of a sudden he wasn't. And so he started getting blamed yeah. for being, oh, he's a scammer. And I'm like, what? That's something. There's got to be something else. And yeah, I mean, that life changing event, divorce, man, that's a big deal. So,
1: yeah, and I always find that I, I find that oftentimes when there is a discrepancy or a gripe from a purchaser from a seller, it's generally a miscommunication or you know something along those lines, short of being like Tomoski or you sure, know, whoever. Sure. But uh yeah Sean like say I got I divorce I think it forced him to sell his NSX because he had a 90 90 wonder 92 and uh, you know he just uh, <laughs> I I don't know maybe he had to sell it you know I, I think he had to sell it and uh, you know and <laughs> you know, I I I've, I've sort of toyed with him and said look man um, you know if I ever come to sell my car, which at the, it's, it's not going to happen, but I'll give him first rider right refusal to buy it back. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because it's in really good shape. It's in better condition now than it was when I bought it. And then, you know, I just had the guys at HQ Engineering out in San Gabriel do a ton of work to it. So it's good to go for 10 years. I did the coolant hoses myself back in, I want to say, 2020. That took two weeks. It was a pain in the butt. I understand why people would pay 1500 to $2,000 to have someone else do it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I have that. I daily that for five years. And then I finally just said, you know what, I'm, I want to get a daily. So right now, my daily is a 2021 Honda Ridgeline. This is probably the fourth daily driver I've had since 2017. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I just kind of went through them. I had a Honda Accord. My first daily was a Honda Accord uh, V6 with a manual. It was a 2004. I really liked that car. One day, that it just stopped working. And then after that, I got a 2008 BMW X3 3.0 uh, SI. I had that for a year. I dumped 4,000 into it to keep it running, and then just got got rid of it. Uh, after that, I had a 2012 Acura TSX Sport Wagon that I loved. Uh, one week after I purchased it, the transmission disintegrated.
0: Sweet, that's a yes. good. good investment.
1: Right. So, I, I was I was scrambling to find a transmission, and I looked on eBay. I saw a a TSX transmission for I want to say, three hundred bucks. And then I paid another 700 to get that in. So a week after I bought that thing, I had to drop a grand into it for a new tranny. And I got a 2017 Honda Ridgeline. And I want to say April or February of 2020.
0: And then yes. you got this No, one. no, 20,
1: 2021. So yeah, I got it in April of 2021. And it was just a, it was, it was a nice truck. It was a, It was, uh, I want to say, an RTL front-wheel drive. It was everything that I needed. And then that was right before the car values shot up. Maybe six or eight months later, I was just looking online. It's like, well, let me see how much a Honda dealer will give me for this. (laughs) So they gave me more than I paid for it uh, on a trade-in. So I just got upgraded to a 2021. So I'm driving this uh, Ridgeline. Uh, A lot of people don't want to consider it a, a real truck, which is fine by me. I uh, like to think of it as an SUV with a birth defect, mm. but it's very, it's very comfortable. I, I, I drove this thing to and from Colorado three times uh, at the end of last year, and I couldn't be happier with how this thing, this, this thing drives.
0: It's quite and capable. Probably not gonna you know take it on a bunch of construction sites and complete a bunch of projects, but for your everyday commuter, small project DIY,er it's more than capable. In fact, most of these trucks that people get are just more like you know peacocking overkill.
1: Yes, say it's the same thing, and this is this is the this is part of why I think maybe you and I hate the internet is that anytime these these uh, you know the automotive press be a car driver. Or road and track or whoever it is comes out with a piece on some car. You always got someone chiming in. Oh, yes. Like, well, it's not a real truck. It's not. A, <laughs> it's an SUV. It's a crossover. I like, dude, it's a bitch car. That's a bitch car. That's a new Subaru. You know? I'm like, dude, you drive a lifted pickup and you go get groceries.
0: Right. Right.
1: Except when, when I go get groceries, uh, you know, I'm riding in comfort, you know? So, yeah, you know, I, I don't understand. And honestly, like this thing has a, has a, I think it has a, I think it has a payload capacity of about 1500 pounds in the back, which in its class is very competitive. I don't, I think there might only be one mid-sized truck that exceeds that number. Um, it tows five thousand pounds, which it's not bad. Again, yeah, it's I, I see. I don't know how many pickup trucks I see out here. Almost no one's towing something, right? So I don't really care about towing. If I wanted to tow, I don't know if I would need to tow anything over five thousand pounds. I may not be able to tow my NSX on a trailer. I don't. I don't know. You could, um,
0: for sure. I could. Okay. Yeah.
1: How much? How much do those trailers weigh? You think?
0: I think. Uh... 1200 pounds, maybe.
1: Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. My car is about 2950 with half a tank of gas. So, right. Um, I mean,
0: and you could take it. I mean, even I could probably, well, not the, not the, uh, the Type S, but even, you know, the old one, I could probably tow it with my infinity. But it's weird because I, when I'm trying to find a, a new vehicle, I always look at the towing capacity, but I've never towed a thing in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. And I probably never will. So I, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, like with the NC1 NSX, it's, I look mm-hmm. at the trunk, I'm like, ah, I really like the car. Not enough to, to sell my car for one, you know, before the type S. But it's got this weird hump in the back, and I just can't mm-hmm. pack as much stuff in the back. And it's like, I've packed the back of my NSX like twice in the uh, almost 10 years that I owned it. Huh. Moving and coming back from NS Expo 2018, San Francisco. That's it.
1: Yeah, I think I've only packed my trunk. The one time when I, when I drove back from Tampa to Sacramento, yeah, see? that's yeah, that's the only time. So question, question for you. So you have that type S that's, that's numb. Um, now would you not have an NC one if they didn't come out with the type S?
0: You know, I, I don't know. I may, it, it's kind of a, one of those weird things where I may still have had my 97 or I may have sold it for something else because one of the thoughts was with this type S. it's like, okay, I didn't know regardless of what people think. I, I, I didn't know hundred percent that I was going to get one. Right. Once I got the allocation, I still didn't know hundred percent that I was going to get it because, you know, as a mm-hmm. contractor, I never know when I'm working. I never of know course. what our financial situation is. You know, when you get a car like that, people just automatically assume you're going to put $16,000 wheels on there and get another $8,000 wrap and do all. It. It's like, no man, I'm not, one of these Lamborghini guys, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I didn't even know up until I finally signed the, the, you know, the, the loan paperwork that it was mine. But the thought yeah. was if I couldn't get it, you know, would I have got an NC one going into it? The answer would have been yes, but having gone through it, I don't know because it, it would have felt like a consolation prize in a super weird way. Cause the NC ones are okay. super fucking special, mm-hmm. but I may have like, I, I wasn't trolling. Like, I was dead serious. And I keep looking at these Aston Martins, you know, 02 to 06 V12 Vanquishes because that's like a dream car that I've always wanted. And the market right now is so low for those things. It's a $260,000 fucking car that you can get for, like, 50 grand. Like, why not try to get one of those type of deal? Even if it's a piece of shit and it might break down every five minutes. It's not my daily. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's another thing. It's like, I don't know if I would have – if my NSX would have been more pure, because, you know, it was heavily modified and it was a lot of fun, but it was still he- heavily modified, yeah. would I have been more inclined to have kept it or would I have sold it sooner?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, so did you purchase your your NA2 uh, with all that stuff on it? Like, was it heavily modified when you purchased it? Or was that something that you did? No,
0: it had the NA, it had the the 02 to 05 conversion, you know, back when it was super mm-hmm. popular that everyone was doing it. Uh, yeah. 37s um, it had the, the hood, the NSXR hood and it had the, mm-hmm. the NSXR, you know, basically the NSX starter pack. It had the, the downforce yeah. NSXR spoiler and that was it, you know, tan and tear and everything. So all the really, the really big stuff I've, I've done with it.
1: Huh? Yeah. You know, I, so I've driven a supercharged NSX. And I gotta say, it's it's intoxicating. Yours was a turbo, and what were you pushing, like 500 horsepower or something?
0: Uh, it when I finally sold it to my friend Yoshi, I was doing four like 420 on 91 pump to to the wheels, and then when I put E85 in it, I was doing closer to 460. Oh wow. Yeah, So crank anywhere from 4.70 to like 5.20, Mm. depending on what kind of gas I had in it. And I'm going to tell you, I was always on the fence. I went up to Michigan. I I drove a gentleman's turbo NSX. It was a love fab NSX, a guy named Charlie. He let everyone drive it. And I was like, holy shit. One day, someday. And that was it. And like, I've I've never even driven a a supercharged NSX. But driving that turbo uh, on a proper turbo... Mm. It's different.
1: Yeah, see, I can I technically can't get a turbo. There's no turbo kit that I can legally get in the state of California. Correct. So the only the only force induction that I can legally have is a comptech supercharger. Mm. Because it's the only one that's carb certified. And I did drive one with a comptech supercharger. And I gotta say, I I get it. I understand. Why people want more horsepower? Because I think the the contact probably puts out a, like 360 to the wheel, and you know the 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 line of Which the is supercharger, plenty. it is it's plenty. Honestly, I I think if I think if if my car had 350 at the crank, that would be plenty, in my opinion.
0: I mean, it is I mean, like I've never felt so slow until I moved here, and I go on these long supercar drives. So we have these long stretches of highway out here. And all the fast cars take off as soon as you start and you don't see them again until you get to the first checkpoint, which is usually a gas station. All the super slow cars are in the back and you're stuck in the middle, sometimes even by yourself or with like the Altimas and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's the modern Altimas, right? Because our cars were great but and they're quick and they're fun. They were borderline fast back then not fast anymore you know i had a uh nah, infinity yeah. qx 50 i think that's the four door or q50 mm-hmm. q50 yeah and we were at road america at an ns expo and i was flying past and tiger type r's and in naturally aspirated NSXs.
1: oh yeah you took your thing onto the track
0: yeah and ruined ruined two sets of brakes but you know that's another <laughs> that's another story what are your what are your thoughts on because we've kind of talked about this offline A new car comes out like the case of point, the Civic Type R recently announced Mm -hmm. people lost their minds. Some people love it. Some people hate it. When the Super came out, it didn't look like the FT1. Uh, I was right. People were going to love it overall, but people loved it. People
1: hated it. You know, again, I think the internet and social media, the great thing about social media is that everyone can have their opinion. The shitty thing about social media is that everyone can have their opinion so you know i would say that the reception for cars like the supra yeah i, I think it seems really positive but you know the guy who hates it the guy who hates it will ever everyone know that he hates it but he was never gonna buy one anyway right so you're just hating for the fact of hating, which, okay, fair enough. I troll, I troll the internet sometimes, whatever. But <laughs> you were never in the market for it anyway. Right. Like, why are you talking shit? Like the Civic, the Civic Type R. Okay, I personally like the new design. I think it's more mature. Mm-hmm. It's more refined. All right. It doesn't look like a Japanese toy. Like, like
0: the previous the, one, the, F, the, the FK8. FK8. Yeah, I always called it a boy racer. It looked a little boy racer for me.
1: It was very boy racer. and not, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um,
0: it's a beautiful. Like, it's great to drive.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hear nothing but good things about it. I, the automotive press loved that car. You know, the Brits loved that car. And the Brits don't like anything Japanese. And if they did, they would pretend to hate it. Right. So... It's like it reminds me of every time uh Clarkson uh, and them on top gear would test the NSX type R, they would do it in the rain.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 it's even those old like best motoring videos, you know, they're going on the they're going around the track and it's always raining.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, look, the FK 8, I thought it was a little boy racer. Aesthetically, not my cup of tea. Would I? Would I drive one? Yeah. What? What I spend them. If I was in the market for it, I would strongly consider that car. But, you know, you got, you got the new one. What is the FL five? Is that? Is that what the? I don't the even know what the is?
0: code word is for that one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So just, it's just. Hey, it's I, just
0: the new Civic Type R for now.
1: Yeah, the new Civic Type R, <laughs> and I look at it, and it to my eye it is more appealing. And I'm like, okay people who are shooting on it they don't even have the old type R. right So you know like is the other one better? Well do you own one of those? No okay well all right well, well whatever you're just you're just they're, they're, they're just they're just talking. shit. so look I I love I love that car. Uh, my buddy just went to his local dealership out in um, Champaign Illinois and he just signed the papers for his pre-order. He's got everything on paper in writing. He's got he's got it in writing that so the 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 out the door price for that car is contingent upon the MSRP. So Honda hasn't announced MSRP. They haven't really announced anything about that car, but um so the paperwork that my friend signed was based on a projected msrp what and are they
0: projecting it at because i i would and i haven't read shit about the car but i think the fk8 was like 37 so yeah maybe 38.5 or something
1: yeah the, the, I've, I've read some publications saying that the the projected msrp uh they pro, they projected to be about 40 mm. um so i think on paper my buddy uh had it written down at 45 mm. so If it's higher than that, then he can opt out of the agreement and get his deposit back. Um, And if it's less, even better for him. So, and again, they haven't announced anything regarding that car. I I heard something like 325 horsepower.
0: That's been the buzz lately. And and then everybody who hates it is going to turn around and want one, too. That's how this world works.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, like, look. They were shitting on the Supra, and you know, I was looking at the uh, what is it the uh, the concept, and then when oh, they the came FT1. out, with the product, yeah, yeah. So the Supra when they came out with the with the concept, I was like, that looks dope. When they came out with the production car, obviously people were disappointed. They were shitting on the design, and I'm I'm like, okay, it's not as cool. Concepts are exactly that; they're not beholden to aerodynamics, nor are they beholden to um, like crash safety regulations. So, what people don't understand is that crash safety regulations and vehicle impact regulations also impact vehicle design
0: dramatically.
1: Dramatically, so that's why I, I think that we're seeing a homogenization of 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 car designs like a lot of cars just look like each other they get fatter they're getting fatter you i mean you're bigger wheels they're, fatter, yeah yeah i mean they're like for instance what were they you gotta they're, so they're mandating like a pillar b pillar and c pillar airbags so all right well that's just going to make those pillars thicker which in true which which sort of obstructs visibility out of the car you know? And so all of these things make the car heavier and bigger. You I know? mean,
0: all you have to do is look at a 1995 Porsche 911 and a 2021 Porsche 911 right next to each other. It's almost like one and a half times, it, you know, the, the 95 version.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, they kind of have to be that big. And then when they come out with a car as small as I don't know what what is that? What is the Alfa Romeo 4C is mm-hmm. that? Is that the small but it's, roadster? It's a
0: smaller one, but it's still fat. Like if you put it next to your NSX,
1: yeah, uh, you know, but before that type of car in the '90s would have been the size of a Miata. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, and then people were shitting on the new Z. I look, I don't like the front of the new Z. It's too square for me. It, it almost doesn't fit the rest of the design. Mm-hmm.
0: But that rectangular opening in the front is kind of weird.
1: It's it's, it's almost as if it was an afterthought. Um, But overall, I really like the direction that they're going with that design. It's very retro. I like retro designs. I think Ford nailed it when they decided to go retro with the design of the Mustang. And then, you know, uh, I think GM followed with uh, some of their muscle cars. But. You know, people are shitting on the, I was reading some guy, he was shitting on the Z. Why? Because the chassis is the same as the previous Z. It's just sheet metal. Hmm. Like that, that's the fight you want to pick with this thing?
0: Heaven forbid they didn't retool the entire thing.
1: Why? and listen, I can understand it as being a cost-cutting measure. Also, if the chassis was good, like why reinvent the wheel on that?
0: Right. No pun intended. You
1: know, yeah, it's like okay. If you take the new Z and let's say you take the the final year, of the previous generation 370 the Nismo package. If you take the new Z, it would probably kick the crap out of the the Nismo Z, the 370 Z, on on a road course. Mm-hmm. So it's tangibly better.
0: What's interesting is uh, there were a lot of. N S X owners and N C one N S X owners who weren't that impressed with the Type S once it was announced. Okay, new front end looks like a Lamborghini, new rear end. It's only got a small bump in horsepower, not worth it. And then they were gone, and now everybody's angry that they didn't get an opportunity
1: to buy it. You know, like like I said, it's it's that that's just what happens. Yeah, you know, and I I and you you've driven both. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you can attest to the tangible improvements that were made for the type S.
0: Yeah. I haven't driven an NC one hard since they came out in 2017, but, mm-hmm. um, just from my recollection and leaning on people like, you know, Chris Wilson drove my car when I first got it, you know, he had a yeah. science of speed and he said, it's a noticeable difference in every way, shape or form.
1: Right. Uh, and I, and I bet, I mean, the thing is like if I got, a base NC1 it would be way more car than i would ever need
0: yeah and it's a great right? car it's fucking
1: fantastic yeah yeah i mean it, it just i love the look of the type s it should have looked that way the first time you know uh but i'm not going to get into the lead designer
0: you know the japanese oh, actually redid it they, they, oh, the
1: Japanese? Well, that's why it looks better. <laughs> yeah, they sent it like they,
0: like that's not even like that's dead serious. They sent the car over to Japan and said come up with some better aero and they sent it back looking like
1: that. Well, listen, that's what happens when you let a culture who is so hardworking that they'll kill themselves if they do a bad job.
0: <laughs> facts. Okay. That is facts.
1: That's the type of work ethic I want for engineering and designing my cars.
0: That's the kind of work ethic I want. Period. People who uh, yeah. contractors, uh, yard work, you know, we need to adopt that over here in the United
1: hey. States. Hey, you fucked up over here. Oh shit, he just threw himself out of the window.
0: Dave, how could people get a hold of you, man? Where can they find your comedy? Do they just walk in? Or, I mean, that's pretty random, I know right now it sounds like, but you like I said, you started the thing earlier, so you guys, you know, did your first one recently and hopefully you can do more.
1: Yeah, so I'm doing a once a month show in I think it's Hollywood. I I can't tell, but it's it's in Los Angeles. It's in it's in like East Hollywood. uh, At right now, at a uh, comedy club studio called the Third Wheel. Once a month, the show is called Purposefully Offensive. Um, We're speaking the subtext there. It just lets everybody know the type of show you're getting into.
0: Sure, disclaimer. Um, In the title,
1: it's it's right there. Like don't don't show up to the show. All right. If you're easily offended, okay, some material may not be suited, get over it. Right. So I, we, I do a once a month show there. We're looking to bump that up next year to, to every two weeks. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at the David Hahn, uh, where you can possibly be offended by my posts. I would like to think of myself as a part-time shit poster. <laughs> You know what's funny is my uh, my in-laws follow me, and sometimes I will post things with them in mind. So
0: <laughs> I know you're watching. <laughs> Watch this. I, like, I know you're
1: gonna see this. <laughs> I want you to think
0: about this joke next time you're sitting across from me at Thanksgiving. Okay?
1: Oh man, they they they. I think like early on they they tried to like talk to me about my was Like I'm not listening to you. Like you're you're taking this way too seriously. Just stop it.
0: You know, we had talked about this before, I think on the show, but one of the inspirations that I had to just do this, and I still pull punches, I pull a lot of punches on my own podcast. Um, but you know, he'd said if he worried about what all his guests and other people thought, family, friends, then he would never have gotten anywhere.
1: Oh, of course. I, I mean that he's he says that on occasion on any one of his like thirty seven podcasts right. that he does.
0: And as a comedian um, or, or anybody in entertainment, you just can't worry. Okay. If I say this and my wife going to kick my ass when I get home.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my wife has sort of had to, I mean, she, she's always been very uh, supportive and stuff uh, about my comedy and the things that I post. And it's why I have a stage name. So I can at least separate myself in that regard. There's like a right. buffer uh, between, um, you know, her and my daughter and, and me and, and my, my comedy, but uh, she's, she's generally been very uh, supportive. Although sometimes I'll post something and she'll look at me and I'm like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. Um, right. Where it was like, I, <laughs> one time I made a post about something and my mother-in-law sent me a message. She's like, David, you know, <laughs> I can't believe you would post something like this. When so many women struggle with it, I didn't even respond because I'm not divorcing your daughter,
0: daughter, okay? You can say I, what you like, want. We're not getting divorced.
1: Well, it's not. Like, yeah, I mean, that and, like, I don't know. Because if I, I feel like if I would have engaged that, it, I, look, I, first off, Adam Carolla says this, it's sort of this thing that I've lived by my whole life, but he articulated it. I only argue when I'm right. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say I'm right all the time, but I only argue when I'm right. And so if, if I know, if I'm not fully sure that I'm right, then I'm probably gonna shut the fuck up. At the very least, I might just ask a bunch of questions, but I feel like if I would have engaged that, I would have escalated it because I like to argue. It would have just got to the point where it's like, well, so you don't want me to say these things. Well, that means that I'm just going to say them even harder. Sure. You know, and that's that's just how I've been, even even as growing up as a kid, um, where if you told me that I couldn't do something, then it really just made me want to do it. And there's an element of that with uh, within comedians. I'm not going to say all comedians, because I encounter some comedians out there who, you know, they they complain about other comedians material. And when I hear that in my head, I'm, I just say to myself, you know, they're never going to make it in any capacity because you can't have that mentality because so, there's nothing, if that's the case, there's nothing from stopping someone else saying that about them.
0: Sure.
1: I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like some of these accounts who are just straight up. Just let me, let me see, <laughs> see who I can offend at, at the highest level every time i post i just if i think it's funny i'm gonna i'm gonna post and say it so
0: he is the david han david we'll have to do it again
1: yeah please let's do this i I really like talking shop i like talking cars um just life in general you know i've uh i've I've always been sort of intrigued by what you got going on so i feel like i have a bunch of questions to ask you too so rj hey man it's, it's been great
0: I want to thank David Hahn for joining the show. Tell me if you guys liked that. I th- That was fun. I think he'd be a fun correspondent. Eh, it's a new show. Uh, got a lot of guests lined up. If you guys follow me on social media, you'll see that I called all of them out. Every single person that I listed has confirmed they will do the show, but we have not confirmed a time. That is on me. That is not on them. need to get that figured out. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the podcast. Go tell a friend about it. Leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or whoever allows ratings. Shows literally everywhere. If you want to email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning, J H A E P F E N N I N G. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. Excited, we're over 300 people. That's at facebook.com forward slash hardparkingmedia. And then click groups. Also follow the YouTube. I posted the Monterey Car Week video. I forgot to add music because I edited it on my phone and I went to upload and it was like five gig. Once I scheduled it, I said, shit, I forgot to add music. So yeah. But it's all about just getting stuff out there. That's the way YouTube works, apparently. One thing, right Honda, and right Toyota Scouts Arizona 4 with online. Cell shop wireless services, Westgate Exotic Cars and Rentals. Patreon business supporter, Cui Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida. Pell Construction out of Caledonia, Michigan. Beag House, small home design out of Ashburg, Virginia. And Traverse City, Michigan. it's Beaghouse.com, B E A G H A U S.com. New sponsor, thanks so much. The rest of you, if you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. When I have it, I don't always have it, but when I do, you get it. Special thanks to Mark Stoneman, Kazmer Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bo Jung, Alex Gamina, and Drew Bunkley. Alex was a little hurt listening to the show last time when we went over Monterey Car Week. It was not in your destiny to go this year. It just wasn't. But remember, I can't grow that tunnel hug of the show. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And I'll talk to you all next week. NS Expo is around the corner. I am excited. Shut
1: up! <laughs> now it's stripping time.